We're coming near the completion of this glorious book, the book of Numbers, the book of God's hosts, his armies. We have the bounds, the borders, and the division of the inheritance that God had appointed for his heirs in his testament. Hear now the reading of the word of Almighty God, inspired by his spirit, profitable for us. Numbers 34, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land of Canaan, this is the inheritance which shall fall unto you, the land which shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan, with the coasts thereof. Then your south quarter shall be from the wilderness of Zin, along by the coast of Edom, and your south border shall be the outmost coast of the Salt Sea eastward. And your border shall turn from the south to the ascent of Akrabim, and pass on to Zin, and the going forth thereof shall be from the south to Kadesh Barnea, and shall go on to Hazar Adar, and pass on to Asmon. And the border shall fetch a compass from Asmon unto the river of Egypt, and the goings out of it shall be at the sea. As for the western border, ye shall even have the great sea for a border. This shall be your west border, and this shall be your north border. From the great sea ye shall point out for you Mount Hor. From Mount Hor ye shall point out your border unto the entrance of Hamath, and the going forth of the border shall be to Zedad. And the border shall go on to Ziphron, and the goings out of it shall be at Hazar Enon. This shall be your north border. And ye shall point out your east border from Hazar Enon to Shepham. And the coast shall go down from Shepham to Riblah, on the east side of Ain. And the border shall descend and shall reach unto the side of the sea of Chinnereth eastward. And the border shall go down to Jordan, and the goings out of it shall be at the salt sea. This shall be your land with the coasts thereof round about. And Moses commanded the children of Israel, saying, This is the land which ye shall inherit by lot, which the Lord commanded to give unto the nine tribes and to the half-tribe. For the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of Gad, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. The two tribes and the half-tribe have received their inheritance on this side Jordan, near Jericho, eastward, toward the sun rising. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, These are the names of the men which shall divide the land unto you, Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. And ye shall take one prince of every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. And the names of the men are these, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And of the tribe of the children of Simeon, Shemuel, the son of Amihud. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Elidad, the son of Chislon. Of the prince 
and the prince of the tribe of the children of Dan, Bukai, the son of Jogli, the prince of the children of Joseph, for the tribe of the children of Manasseh, Haniel, the son of Ephod, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, Kemuel, the son of Shiphtan, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Zebulun, Elizaphan, the son of Parnach, and the tribe of the or the prince of the tribe of the children of Issachar, Paltiel, the son of Azan, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Asher, Ahihud, the son of Shalomai, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Naphtali, Padahel, the son of Amihud. These are they whom the Lord commanded to divide the inheritance unto the children of Israel in the land of Canaan. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May the Lord bless us in the reading and in the hearing of it. First here in verses 1 through 15, chapter divides itself very nicely. We have the bounds and borders of the land of Canaan. Verse 6, you'll notice the western border is the Great Sea. This is the Mediterranean Sea as it is often referred to. Then verse 7 refers on the north there is Mount Hor. This is not the same Mount Hor where Aaron was die, or died and was buried. This is a different Mount Hor, sometimes known as Mount Hermon, or the Zidonians called it Mount Sirion, or the Amorites called it Mount Shenir, or the, uh, the snowy mountain, like the Alps. They always have snow on them year-round, so Mount Hor did as well. Verse 11, you'll notice it refers to the Sea of Chinnereth eastward. Later, this word Chinnereth would be turned into what we hear as Gennesaret, in the New Testament. It's a corruption or a similarity of Chinnereth. Also, verse 12 refers to the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea. Verse 13, it says, This is the land which ye shall inherit by lot, which the Lord commanded to give. Now, this is what we refer to as God's grant or God's testament, where he said, I am the Father, you are my children. You are my heirs, my inheritance is this. Then he lists what the inheritance is to Abraham. Remember, he said, I will be God to thee. I am thy shield and exceeding great reward, Abraham. I will be your God and you will be my people. That's the basic inheritance that God gave. But together to these children of Abraham, he also promised a land with real places where real people would inhabit. And that's what he's describing here an actual land promised by God Almighty as their special place where God would dwell together with them. And this word that God or the Lord commanded to give in verse 13, it could be translated as setting something before, delivering up, giving over, or granting. And that's the idea there. God gives this over. He grants it to them. It's his gift to his people. I note then that the promises of God concern real people in real places in space and time. Contrast that with the uh, heathens and their mythologies. You'll often find, okay, there's some real people, some real places, but we're not quite sure where the one ends and the other begins. Where is this Mount Olympus? Who are these gods? Why are they so wicked? This sort of thing. In our Bibles, we read of actual places with actual people, a very tangible place. 
But as the nature of prophecy teaches us to expect, God uses these real people in real places in history, space, and time to prepare us for greater things that he has designed for his people. God has granted to us or commanded to give to us an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away. He tells us that God is making a city. Christ says he's making many mansions, not made by the hands of men, not constructed by the Canaanites, but made by God's almighty hand. He is the founder of that city. He is the maker of that city. And here we have a prophecy. God makes promises not in vain, but God will accomplish with his hand what he has promised in his word. He will bring us to that city. We will get the goods and Christ has died to secure that inheritance. Let us then neither despise these earthly elements of our faith, nor stop at them, failing to ascend to the true heavenly meaning conveyed in these prophetic messages, or even in our lives, as we come to the Lord's table. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he drank the wine with them. He said, I will not drink this again till I drink it anew with you where? In his kingdom. So this table is a foretaste of our communion with Christ in the heavenly realities and fulfillments of which these things are signs, just as the land of Canaan was a sign concerning God granting his people an inheritance, which is himself and his heavenly kingdom. Then verses 16 through the end of the chapter, verse 29, we have the division and distribution of this land to the tribes of Israel. Notice verse 17. God is very specific about the people who are supposed to divide this up. He says, Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun. Now, what you'll notice here is that God has two separate jurisdictions. In fact, you could argue there are three with the princes. You have in Eleazar a representative of the worshiping part of Israel, that is the church, Then in Joshua, the son of Nun, you have the successor to Moses as the supreme justice, you might say the state. And then in the princes, they represent each family group or each tribe that could be both civil as well as family. But in any case, you see God's design for our lives is multifaceted. He wants there to be a church with its own jurisdiction, its own representation, And he wants there to be a state with its own jurisdiction and its representation. But in the kingdom of God, these are intended to cooperate. That's what you notice here. Yes, they are separate jurisdictions, but no, they are not antagonistic. They are not locked tight. You stay there, you stay there, never shall the two interact. Rather, we find throughout the Bible, not just in the laws, but also in the histories that God says this. I want these two to cooperate together for my glory and the good of the people. We see this also in prophecy. We find this in the New Testament. We see that magistrates are to be the ministers of God, his servants, his deacons, you might say, his liturgoi, those who lead his people in the worship of God in the first table. Magistrates are spoken in this way throughout the Bible. So you will see kings reforming the church. But what do you also find? You find the church reforming the kings. You find the prophets come and complain concerning the lawlessness and wickedness of kings, calling them to repentance, telling them of the judgments of God. So we see God intends 
these two jurisdictions to work together for the glory of God and the good of the people. As I mentioned, verse 18, it talks about one prince from every tribe to divide the land for, by inheritance, family, or civil representation. And then you'll notice verse 19 has Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Now, if you go back to the beginning of the book of Numbers, to the beginning of the wanderings in the wilderness, you find that Caleb is there. Chapter 13, he's made famous as one of the spies in chapter 14 as well of Numbers. We find him as one of the faithful, one of the believing spies, along with who else? Joshua. Joshua, Joshua that's right. So we have two faithful men, both mentioned here, as entering in on the inheritance that God designed for his people. Now, the rest of the princes from verses 20 through 28, these are all of them brand new men. Never mentioned before in the book of Numbers. You might have somebody with the same name, but not with the same father and the same name. In other words, not the same person. God had judged that entire generation of men. It's a silent reminder that there is a reward to those who fear God, though they may have to wait for it. And there is a punishment for those who do not fear God, who do not believe in his promises, who will not obey his commandments. There will be a time when God will make all things right, and such is the case even in Israel. So then, in consideration of these matters, let us then rejoice in our greater inheritance in Christ. The lot of our inheritance, of which these were shadows and figures. Let us anticipate with joy drinking this fruit of the vine anew with our Lord in his heavenly kingdom. And let us not be as those who were dispossessed and disinherited because of their unbelief, but rather let us lay hold hearing the gospel, mixing it with faith and thereby to the saving of our souls. And thus far the consideration of Numbers chapter 34.